Welcome, everyone. Welcome to worship. Uh, open your Bibles to Proverbs, or as Pastor Eric would say, find me Proverbs. Find me Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 25. Welcome to all of you at the Franklin campus. Welcome to those of you in the overflow. We love you so much, so very much. It's wonderful to be God's people in worship and be God's people before his word. Find me Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 25, where we'll begin this morning. Uh, in the middle of a sermon series now entitled, Get Smart, we're talking about wisdom, and our source book is the book of Proverbs. We've defined wisdom as the God-given ability to make good decisions. There are other ways to define it, but that one is the one that works for Proverbs and for what the Bible says about wisdom. Wisdom is the God-given ability to make good decisions. What we're trying to do is to look at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, a book of wisdom, and try to seek out God's wisdom and apply it to every single area of our lives. Proverbs is a practical book. There are no begats, no deep thoughts. It is just wise saying after wise saying after wise saying from the Lord, and it is ready to use straight off of the page. But when you read through the book of Proverbs, you find out very quickly that there are several themes that just keep popping up, and they keep popping up again. Several things that seem very, very important in God's word when it comes to practical wisdom. And today's theme is perhaps a little bit surprising to you, but not when you really think about it. One of the skills of wisdom, as we'll find this morning, is work. And one of the greatest, greatest expressions of stupidity is laziness. Proverbs reserves its harshest language, its most bitter sarcasm. Proverbs reserves some of its harshest words for lazy people. I don't know who you think lazy people are, but let me show you a very quick video clip of some lazy people. See if you can relate at all to, uh, to this picture here. Watch. That's not good. Oh, I don't need this. I'm already late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello? There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now. Would somebody please do something? Help! 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 <laughs> I don't believe this. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> well, there's not enough left to do. Is it? Stuck on an escalator. Yeah, you're laughing about that like that's funny, but you know, modern conveniences are doing strange things to our minds. I have a, a, I have a used car, but I, I've got one of those little key fobs now. I can open my car door and lock it with just pushing a button on, the, on my keychain. How many of you can do that? Isn't that wonderful? Has the battery ever run down on, on your little button? What did you do? My battery ran out one day and I'm hitting the button and my car's unlocked. And what am I thinking? I'm locked out of my car. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm locked out. And it, and it took me way too long to realize I've got my keys in my hand. You know? But then I'm thinking, I've got to use the key. You know, you know, we've become so lazy. And modern conveniences have done some really amazing things to the way we think about our lives. We love 
convenience. We love escalators. It saves us from walking up steps. We love nearly everything that somehow makes our lives quicker and easier, nearly anything that does away with work. For us, work is almost like a four-letter word. My wife's grandmother used to say that the only way to get a floor clean is on your knees. Grandmother, she said the only way, the only way to get a floor clean is on her knees. And when she cleaned her floor, she was always on her knees. So what do you think when you hear that? Buy the old lady a Swiffer. (laughs) Buy the lady a Swiffer. But would Casey's grandmother have wanted a Swiffer? She would have thought that was the most ridiculous waste of money. Why? Because the only way to get a floor clean is on your knees. In other words, the Swiffer was not going to clean it well enough for her. So number one, understand that if a job's worth doing well, if a job's worth doing at all, it's worth doing well to your grandmother. That was one of their values. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And the second thing you should know about Casey's grandmother is she really wasn't trying to avoid work. That was not one of her ambitions, but it is often one of our ambitions. We will avoid work when we can, and we love any modern convenience that can make us think that our lives can be quicker and easier. And honestly, Swiffer Clean is good enough for us. If you never get down there on your knees, you don't know how dirty it is. We love the quickness and ease of our modern lives. However, Proverbs has some very, very important things to say about work. For you and and me, work seems like a four-letter word, but understand something and listen to me what I'm saying here. In the book of Proverbs, in God's word, work is not a four-letter word, but lazy is. Work is not a four-letter word in Proverbs, but lazy is. So find me Proverbs chapter 21, verse 25. Let's start here with the word of God, what it says at the first. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to, say the word, ruin. Despite their desires, no matter what they want, no matter what else they hope for, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. You've really got to let that verse sink in and start to work on your life. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. Well, let's start off with some definitions, of course. Who are the lazy? Obviously, Proverbs has a lot to say about lazy people. Who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? What is lazy? One person has defined lazy is the habit of resting before you get tired. The habit of resting before you get tired. Now, whatever you think about that definition, I think the word habit is important. Laziness is a frame of mind. For some of us, it's a way of being in the world. But most importantly, understand laziness is a habit. It becomes a habit, a habitual lifestyle, and it is a very, very difficult habit to break. Let's be honest about that. It's a very difficult habit to break. Once your life has settled into a pattern, a a habit of laziness, it's a very, very difficult place to to, to break out of. Laziness is a a kind of habit. In God's word, the, the kind of laziness that scripture condemns, I think you define lazy as the habitual avoiding 
of meaningful work. That the habitual avoidance, avoiding of meaningful work. Now, I put in the word meaningful there because I think some of us are really sort of confused about what it means to be lazy. I'll ask you a simple question. Do you think busy people can be lazy? Can a busy person be lazy? You're not even going to talk to me today, are you? Not even going to talk to me. I'll answer my own question. Yes, a busy person can be lazy. As a matter of fact, if you show me a very, very busy person, a workaholic kind of person, I can probably, we can look at their lives closely and see that while they really spend a lot of energy in one area of their life, they're very, very likely avoiding the hard work in the other areas of their lives. Nearly all of us are lazy in one way or another. We all avoid the hard work in certain areas of our lives. So when Scripture condemns the lazy person, we're not just talking about the, the, the 45-year-old man who lives in his parents' basement and eats Viennese sausages out of the can. We're not just talking about that guy. We are talking about that guy. But there's a little bit of that guy in me and you. There's a little bit of the desire to sit in your mama's basement and eat the viney sausages out of the can. There's a little bit of that in all of us. So please understand, laziness is just not a person who doesn't go to work. Laziness can be the person who goes to work. They just get there a few minutes late. And then they sit down in their chair. Then they get out of their chair and they go get some coffee, maybe get a drink, come back, sharpen some pencils, start checking the email. In the email, you find a letter from your sister, one of those letters that says, if you love Jesus, you'll send this to 30 more people. So then she sits there and she sends the email to 30 more people. And then, you know, whew, she's kind of tired. So she takes lunch. And instead of just lunch, she goes down and she goes by Target and tries on bathing suits. And so it turns out to be a very long lunch. And then she comes back into work and actually falls asleep at her desk, wakes up. Oh my goodness, it's time to go home. The person was at work all day long. Was it meaningful work? No, no. Laziness is a choice that we make. Remember that wisdom, wisdom is the God-given ability to make good decisions. And many of us in one area or another, we make the decision to be lazy. But what you've got to see in Scripture, what I want you to see today, is that laziness has very, very dramatic and horrible consequences. Laziness has devastating consequences. Well, let's think about for a moment how we're designed, how God put us together. We are created in God's own image. That's what the scripture says. And if you read the Bible at all, one of the things you cannot miss is that God is a worker. God works. Scripture says God works and he never sleeps. God works all of the time. If the only thing God had to do was sustain the universe, if the only thing he had to do is keep the planets in their place and keep the sun in its place, if the only thing God had to do is send the rain and the sunshine, if that's all he did, he'd be working full time. But on top of that, God is always at work in every one of our lives. God is always listening to our prayers and God is always doing for me what I can't do for myself and doing for you what you can't possibly do for yourself. God works and we are created in the image of a God who works nonstop. We're created in his image. And as the scripture describes that first couple, Adam and Eve placed in that garden, they were placed in the garden to, to work, 
to work it, to keep it. That was their purpose. And listen, that wasn't punishment for sin. That was a part of God's good creation. God created us to have purpose. God created us to work, which is to say that the only way you will ever be very, very happy in your life, the only way you will find your purpose, the only way you will find peace and contentment, the only way is if you work, And I will add, if you work hard, you got to work and you got to work hard. If you will not make that choice to work, you are never, ever going to find what God has for you in this life. And you will never, ever find peace or happiness. You've got to go to work. You've got to work and you've got to work hard. Notice what the scripture says again. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin. It's, it's a very interesting word, that, that, that ruin. What the scripture is saying, what that verse says very plainly, is that there is, there is a soul-destroying quality to laziness. It, it literally destroys your soul. There's something in you that starts to die if you are content doing nothing every day. There's something in you that is dead if you're willing to let areas of your life go without your attention and your energy. There are things dying in you. Laziness has that soul-destroying quality to it. And this is why scripture says you cannot live like this. You cannot think like this. You've got to understand that everything in life worth doing and everything in life worth having is going to demand work, hard work. I'll go a step further. And I believe this is true to what the scripture is saying. That the lazy person, despite her desires, the lazy person is going to experience ruin. And as I've said, it's not so simple. It's not just that the lazy people are the people who never, ever get a job. We're not just talking about them. We are talking about them, but not just them. You've got to see that in our own lives, I can be very, very busy, very active in one area and very lazy in another area. And wherever I am lazy, that's where my sin is. And wherever I am lazy, whatever area of my life I neglect... Wherever I will not put the hard work in, that's probably going to be the area where I have my problems. Laziness always leads to ruin. Now, sometimes the problems I have may not be related to my laziness, could be related to somebody else's laziness. My laziness can affect other people. Scripture says that. We're going to look at that in a moment. But I'm really asking you to look at your life and think about your problems. Because wherever your problems are, I would probably, probably bet, I don't bet, but I would probably bet that wherever your problems are, these are the areas of your life where there's laziness. Take your marriage, for example. Marriage is hard, hard work. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are Cinderella and you married Prince Charming. I don't care. Cinderella and Prince Charming, once they got married, if they lived happily ever after, then they had the Lord and they worked hard. Marriage is hard work. If your marriage right now is not going well, I don't know the, the, the circumstances. I don't know the story, but I can tell you, if your marriage is starting to be on the skids somebody's not working at it. Marriage takes work. And if you're going to put the wheels back on your marriage, you're going to have to go to work at it. Some people are very busy, very busy in their jobs, but very, very lazy in their marriage, very lazy with their children. You have children, 
Have you not caught on yet that parenting is really, really hard work? It's really hard work. And you show me a wild, undisciplined kid, and I will probably show you a lazy parent. A parent who is not willing to do the hard work of disciplining a child. And disciplining a child is very, very hard work. Super nanny is not going to come in and do it for all of us. And if she saw your kids, she wouldn't even sign you on the show. Did you understand? It's very, very hard work. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not talking down to you. I know what hard work it is. It's difficult to work a full-time job to come home and have energy left over to go and start a conversation with a teenage daughter. Have you ever tried to talk to your teenage daughter? Good luck. Good luck. You might text her. It's really hard work. And that's exactly why so many parents just give up. Some of you have just given up. You no longer even try to have a conversation with your teenager. You no longer even try. And that, my friend, is is laziness. It takes hard work. You may bust it out there in your job. You may go at it like you're killing snakes in the office. But whatever area of your life you're not willing to put the hard work into, that's where you will experience what Scripture calls ruin. No matter what you want, no matter what you're hoping for, you want a happy marriage, you want a happy family, you want to find somebody and settle down and get married one day, you want a good job. I'm telling you, no matter what you want, if you're not willing to work for it, your life is going to come to ruin because your hand refuses to work. Laziness destroys your soul. That's what the scripture says. It always brings ruin. And whatever area of your life you're experiencing ruin now, I just wonder if it's not some laziness that explains it. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26, another verse to look at. I remind you, Proverbs has a lot of verses and they're sort of strung together like beads on a string. And so sometimes you have to move around to to find the same topic, the same theme. But, But there's so many things that scripture says about this topic. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26. I know that in our lives, we've always been told not to care what other people think. But this is one of those verses that reminds us that sometimes my sin has social consequences. My sin affects other people. And this is really an amazing verse. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26 says this. Read it from the screens with me. Read these words. Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth or smoke in the eyes. Vinegar to the teeth. What is that like? What are we talking about here? Like taking a big swig of pickle juice or or, or something? Lazy people in the lives of others are like that. Just kind of sets your teeth on edge. They make your teeth itch. You understand what the proverb is saying here? Lazy people to the employer first, to the person who actually needs this person to go to work. Now, if you're young, the employer there, you could just go ahead and plug in the word parent parent. The lazy person irritates the employer, the parent, whoever depends upon their work. There are social consequences to the sin of of, of laziness. And you've really got to understand this. Your laziness affects other people. And whatever area of your life that you're willing to let other people pick up your slack, 
And whatever area you're going to sit back and let other people do the hard work, there's an effect on other people. It affects the way they see you and the way they experience you. And the word the proverb uses here is irritate. Lazy people really irritate the rest of the world. And it's a logical thing when you think about it. It's not because people don't love you. It's not that people don't care for you. It's simply that it's ingrained in us. It's the way God designed us. We all understand that if you want anything in life, you've got to trust God, but you've also got to be responsible to work. You've got to be responsible to work. And when people can't count on you to work, they'll still love you probably. They will probably take care of you if they're Christians, I would say. But at the very same time, they're never really going to respect you. It's very, very difficult to respect a person who has no purpose, who has no motivation, who has no energy, who has nothing in life worth turning off the TV, worth sitting down the Wii and getting out of the house and busting it for work. If you've nothing that gets you out of the house like that, you may have friends, you may have family, but you won't have their respect It's just very, very difficult to respect a person who doesn't respect himself, who doesn't respect herself, who has no purpose. Like vinegar to the teeth, the scripture says. Like vinegar to the teeth, like smoke in the eyes. That's hard. That's difficult. But if you have a person in your life who is lazy, a person who will not work, you know exactly what the scripture is talking about. But it could be that this verse describes me and you. It could be that there's something about this verse that speaks to your habit of living, your habit of working, your habit of relationships. If this really is your habit, if this is my habit, a habit of laziness, how do I break it? How do I change? I know that God is going to change me and God is the only one with the power to put my life back together. But how am I going to experience that? What will the change look like? Turn back to Proverbs 26 verse 13. In Proverbs 26, there are several verses strung together here that speak precisely to the lazy person giving us some characteristics and helping us perhaps find some keys to change. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13, 14, 15, 16. These are all lazy people verses. Let's read them one at a time. Verse 13. The lazy person claims there's a lion in the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. That's weird. What's that about? Can, can, can you explain? Can you get the gist of what that scripture's saying? It's poking a little bit of fun at a lazy person. Using humor, what's it saying? The lazy person says, there's a lion out there. Yeah, excuses, exactly right. The lazy person makes excuses. So key number one, if you're going to experience change in this life, if God is going to be able to work this change in your life, number one, you've got to stop making excuses. You've got to stop making excuses. The thing is, in the, in the ancient world of the Proverbs, There possibly could be a lion in that part of the world. It's not unthinkable that there could be a lion, but probably not. Probably not. And the point is, everybody else in the world goes on out to work, even if there are lions. Do you understand? You've got to stop making excuses. But excuse-making is also a habit. 
And once you've gotten in the habit of looking for an excuse, I'm telling you, any excuse will do. For the person who wants an excuse, any excuse will do. And when you are not in the habit of putting your energy into meaningful work, it is hard not to find a really good reason not to go to work. It's really difficult, but you've got to stop making excuses. You've got to stop. There might be a lion out there, the proverb says. In our world, it's something more like, well, my car won't run. My car won't start. I haven't had a job in 16 years because my car won't start. That, my friend, is an excuse. You got feet at the end of both of your legs. There is no reason, no reason not to go to work, fix your car, and get your life together in the name of the Lord. Stop making excuses. My, my, my car won't win. I don't feel good. Some people say, you really may not feel good. I, I, I promise you. Laziness leads to depression. Laziness leads to anxiety and worry. Psychologists tell us that that idle person has this vacuum in their psyche, in, in their mind. And anxiety and and depression and worry and, yes, physical illness will rush in to fill that place in your life that God intended you fill with meaningful work. You have a purpose. But if you don't find your purpose, depression and anxiety and illness will find you. In the ancient Christian church, they had barely heard of depression, but they called it melancholia. Melancholia. And the church fathers used to say that if you were afflicted with melancholy, if you were afflicted with depression, they wanted you to pray, but they called it prayer walking. They wanted you out of the house. You've got to get moving. You can't go into your closet, close the door and pray like maybe other Christians do. You've got to get moving, baby. You've got to get moving because there's something about physical activity, something about work. It really, really helps with anxiety and, and, and depression. So when you say, well, I don't feel good, I just don't feel like getting out there, maybe you've got to. Maybe your life depends on it, and maybe you'll feel so much better when there's something that gets you out of the house every day. Maybe you have cognitive, I'm sorry, sluggish cognitive tempo disorder. That's the name of it. Sluggish cognitive tempo disorder. It's one of those new, new diagnoses that counselors are trying to add into their manual. Sluggish cognitive tempo disorder. You know what the symptoms are? Sort of a lack of motivation, kind of a loss of energy for everyday tasks, kind of a dreamy, kind of a, you know, out of body kind of feeling every day, kind of what Proverbs calls laziness, lack of motivation. Lack of energy for everyday tasks. They're really trying to call it something. The Bible calls it lazy. If you're looking for an excuse, any excuse will do. Whatever you call it, God didn't create you for idleness. God did not create you so that you could put your life on autopilot. If you're going to have anything in the world, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to please God, if you're going to enjoy relationships, you're going to have to get used to the idea that everything takes work. Everything takes work. Verse 14 and 15, we'll do these together. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed, back and forth, back and forth. Is that 15? Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. What's the picture here? 
you know, I, I, I've got a you know, meatball sub in this hand. You know, it's just this picture of the person who, who can't even, you know, you know, bring the thick sliced bologna sandwich to his mouth. You, you understand? It, it, it's that picture. And they are intentionally funny pictures. It, it's a comical view. Remember that Proverbs is, is, is originally intended in a lot of ways to teach young people. It's the father and the mother teaching the children. And so these are kind of comical pictures. But the parents, but the Holy Spirit wants to put this picture in your mind of what this looks like. So I guess this, the second step, the, the way to break free of this habit is really to, to learn to see yourself, to see yourself the way God sees you, to see your life the way it really is. And honestly, there's something so pathetic about the person who could take the food in his hand but just could never, ever bring it to his mouth. Something pathetic about the person who in life can just roll around in the bed, roll around on the couch all day long. They roll from one side to the other, one side to the other, but they're never getting anywhere. Some of us in our, in our lives, we make no progress. We're in the same rut that we've been in. We just roll from side to side to side. I'm not just talking about people who don't have jobs. You may not roll around on the couch like this, but some of you in relationships, you just continue to roll in the same rut. You never make progress. You never learn. Nothing ever gets any better. You've got to learn to see yourself. You've got to learn to see the futility of the choices that you're making. And as long as you choose not to work, as long as you choose not to put energy into this, as long as you assume that your life is going to be quick and easy, you're never going to get anywhere. So ask God to give you a new vision of your life. If these verses help you, ask God to show you yourself, to help you see yourself the way you are but then to give you a vision of your life the way it should be. God has a purpose for you, a purpose for the relationships in your life, a purpose for your children. God has a reason for your life, and it's not just to waste it and be idle. Ask God to show you a picture of what he wants you to be, and then once you have that vision, you do whatever it takes to move toward it. It's going to take work. It's going to take hard work. But there's not a thing wrong with hard work. It's one of the things God made us to do. Verse 16. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Lazy people really think they're smart, Proverbs says. Isn't that funny? You ever met anybody like that? He really thinks he's smart because he can stay on the couch all day. Have you ever met somebody like that? You know the person, that they can spend all day, they can spend a whole weekend playing World of Warcraft, you understand? They can sit there all weekend long, and they really think they're smart for that. They don't work, and they look at you like you're the dumb one because you go to work. They really think they've got it figured out. But you've got to understand what the Word of God says. Laziness, not working, not working hard, that's not smart. That is stupid on steroids, do you understand? Because it leads to ruin. It will destroy your life. You're going to break this habit in your own life? All of the ways in my life I need to break this habit of laziness? I need to ask God to give me wisdom. That God-given ability to make good decisions, to make the right decisions. 
And I've really got to decide that some of the things in my life are not going to just fall into my lap. Some of the things in my life that God wants me to have, nobody is going to give me or do for me. God wants me to put some muscle to it. God gives me everything. He's given me breath in my lungs. He's given me some strength in these muscles. God has given me everything. And he wants me to use it all. He wants me to use it all. All of my mind, all of my strength, all of my soul. God wants me to put it all to work for him. Did you understand? God is a worker. And all of the work in the world, honestly, is God's work. So when you and I go to work, honestly, we're just joining God in his work. God created you to join him in his work. Let's pray together. God, for some of us, it's a hard scripture to apply. We're tired. We feel like we work all the time. But God, help us to see that sometimes we work extra hard in one area because we are running from the work in another area. Maybe the reason we stay at the office so much, stay at the factory so much, maybe the reason we love overtime is because we're too lazy to go home and build relationships with our family. God, maybe the reason we stay so busy, so distracted is because we're actually running from the hard work of serving you. Maybe the reason we're so busy doing unimportant things is so that we never have to get around to doing the important things you have called us to do. God, we know that you are a worker and we praise you for your mighty works. But Lord, we know that you have created us to join you in your work in the world. You have created us with a purpose and with strength and you've asked us to love you with all our strength. So God, forgive us when we avoid hard work and choose the path of laziness. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this house, everyone within the sound of my voice today will gain wisdom from you, O Lord, the wisdom to make a different choice. Let us choose, Lord, to put ourselves into the hard work that you have given us to do. Let us work, Lord, and never run from it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.